It is about to get cold in H-Town. Are you ready for it? Is ERCOT ready for it? Plus, a new report details where Harris County fell short in helping sexual assault victims. And there's major family drama playing out amongst the owners of the Houston Texans. Let's break it all down with Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and dynamic media personality Antrichelle Nova. It's Friday, January 12th, 2024. I'm Rahil Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. All right, it's coming, our first big winter storm. It is going to get bone-chilling cold. So, Antrichelle and Evan, I want to know, do you put on any kind of music to put you in that winter mood? I know it's an odd question because I have a great answer. Evan, do you have some music that you go to like to really get you in that winter feeling? Oh, yeah. My go-to song is Fox in the Snow by Bell and Sebastian. Oh, nice. Okay, good. How about you, Antrichelle? <laughs> Listen, it is always Christmas in my house and in my heart, but I have to make it very clear. We had to ban the Christmas music because my son and I have been listening to it since June and my husband has had enough. But now with the upcoming winter storm, my son saw the frost on the ground yesterday. But he made me promise if we get snow that we turn up the Christmas music. And I said, my darling, absolutely, we will play <laughs> and blast that Christmas music to usher in this winter oh chill. Oh, my gosh. So, Andrew <laughs> Shell and Sunny 99.1 could play music, Christmas music year round. That's what oh. I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, year round. You know, you just got to have it. It just keeps you in a good mood oh, every man. day. I love putting on Bonnie Iver's Blood Bank, which is one of the great folk albums, indie music albums ever. And that just gets me calm and ready for any kind of winter storm. So I love it. It's going to be crazy. So everyone, please wrap your pipes, take every precaution. And it looks like ERCOT is saying things are going to be okay with the grid, right? Andrew Shell, let's jump into your biggest story. Absolutely, baby. It's about to get real cold outside right here in Houston, Texas. ERCOT has issued a weather watch for multiple days for next week, starting January the 15th through January the 17th. They will be monitoring conditions closely. Now, that's when an Arctic cold front is expected to move through the area, dropping low temperatures into the teens and maybe possibly even in the single digits. Now, if you guys remember anything about the Texas freeze that happened, you don't want to be caught on the unprepared side of this possible winter freeze again. Over the summer, we've also had some weather watches preparing for this, but only if the conditions get tight. Now, in addition to the improvements that have been made to the grid, the forecast isn't as daunting, but it bears watching for any change so they're being very precautious we had a very mild start to the texas winter but it's about to take a turn now they did say erica did say the cold winter would bring higher electrical demand and the potential for lower reserves so y'all get ready yeah, take every precaution, you know, make sure all the pipes are wrapped outside. If you are inside, you know, run that hot water, open up the cabinet so you can get hot air going through. And yeah, going back to Winter Storm Yuri, you know, the big thing was there were just prolonged days of no power and that dropped temperatures in people's houses and busted up every pipe. 
and it was scary. And I, I'll be honest with you, I get that anxiety every time we get below 30 degrees. I'm panicking. I'm like, I don't know if my house is next, right? So it looks like things are going to be okay for this one. It's not going to be as bad, but you just never know, Aunt Rochelle. Never, never know. Now, Raheel, you just said something that I never heard before in my life. You said open up the cabinet so the pipes can get what? I never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, so if your sink is facing a wall or is against a wall, just open up the cabinet so the pipes can get some hot air into them. So the cabinet usually has the pipes underneath. So yeah, any hot air is good. So I do it to all my cabinets under sinks. You learn something new every day. I've always seen people's cabinets open during the winter, but child, I didn't know what was wrong with them. Thank you for teaching me. <laughs> I mean, I even go up in my attic and I put blankets over exposed pipes. I'm that afraid of this. I mean, I'm bringing my plants inside there in pots. I'm putting blankets over the ones that are out there. I'm charging up my backup batteries and making sure I've got enough Pop-Tarts. I've got wood in the fireplace. <laughs> It's like, I'm sure things will be fine. ERCOT has added a ton of battery backup to the grid since Yuri, so, and we've made some new connections to other national grids, so more power is flowing through. But we've all got collective PTSD. It's like, you know, the few years after Harvey, a single raindrop would have folks freaking out. Mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And we are hoping for the best. And again, stay tuned and find all your updates wherever you get your news. But just be weather aware, right? Be ready for this. It could get bad. It could be okay. We don't know. So just be ready. Evan, let's get to your biggest story. What do you got? My biggest story is a report from Mike Snyder at the Houston Landing that District Attorney Kim Ogg had hired the general counsel of the Texas Republican Party to help prosecute cases against Lena Hidalgo and her staff. Like, this is absurd. It makes the indictments against her staffers for interfering in a contract to seem more partisan, less legitimate. It's like hiring the head of an anti-Astros fan club to umpire a game. I don't understand why Og would do this in the first place. Now, the DA's office is saying that hiring the general counsel, Rachel Hooper, she was just limited to drafting and reviewing legal documents, you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. And her name does not appear anywhere in the public documents uh, filed in court related to these cases. But at the same time, why are you hiring it? And why are you hiring this one lawyer out of all the potential lawyers you could hire if you needed outside help to get involved in this case? It is ridiculous. And right now, August facing a challenger within the Democratic primary for DA. And I'm pretty sure that some Democratic voters are going to have some tough questions to ask her to justify this bizarre decision. So would it have been OK if she hired somebody from the Democratic Party? Is it like that? that that's where it gets confusing for me is that, yes, it does add the questions of like, wait, what's happening here? Why are we making this political? Or do you think it was just like, hey, she's the best qualified person for this job? I think if you have a hyper-political case, you should want to bring in an apolitical actor. As the saying goes, Caesar's wife must be above reproach. And bring in someone who like works for the Republican Party to get involved in this partisan case just makes it seem more partisan. Like What gears were turning in Og's head to make her think that this was the right decision? Mm, this is going to be interesting to watch mm. and see how it plays out. My next question, Evan, here is... You brought this up before. Will she flip parties and maybe go with the Republican Party for re-election? 
I don't know. I, I think the the timeline is passed for her to be able to do that. I think the the uh, the ballots are already drawn up, so it would have to be a very weird process. I think she might have to run as an independent or something mm. like that. But like it, here we are, she's already on the Democratic ballot uh, for the primary election. Wow! So that's going to be another layer to all of this. Any thoughts, Andrew? Show. I mean, it's just something's fishy in the water, baby. And I I'm with you, Evan. I don't even understand what's going on, but I know something ain't right, baby. Mm-hmm. Like none of this is above board. None of this feels like your usual operations. Okay, I'm going to go to my biggest story. And I feel really weird talking about this because it's family drama. And it seems like this is a story arc out of HBO Succession. And if you haven't heard by now, there is major drama happening with the McNair family, the family who owns the Houston Texans, the team who, by the way, is playing tomorrow in the playoffs against the Cleveland Browns. So Carrie McNair, one of the adult sons of Janice and the late Bob McNair, is seeking to have his 87-year-old mother declared incapacitated and to have himself appointed as a guardian for her and her estate. This happens all the time. The weird part about this is that Janice McNair, the mom, and her other adult son, Texans chairman and CEO Cal McNair, had no idea this was coming. And now there is major family drama playing out in the court of public opinion and the actual courts. This is wild, Evan. I mean, you know, watching sports is fun enough. Watching the Texans play is exciting enough. This adds just another layer on top of everything. You know, it's kind of like if you're watching, you know, some teams, you've got Taylor Swift involved. If you're watching the Texans, you've got this drama involved. It's a nice little extra story (laughs) on top of it. Listen, Satan is busy. You understand? And I agree, Raheel. I felt like... (gasps) When I saw this, I say, now we ain't never had a problem with the McNair family like this, child. What is going on? They were completely blindsided. And it always goes to show you, you can have your highest highs and your lowest lows at the same damn time. I'm praying for the McNair family because I feel like this is just a mess. It really is. Help somebody. The attorneys for Janice and Cal McNair wrote in a December motion that Carrie filed the application without the knowledge or input of Miss McNair or Cal, who are shocked at Carrie's drastic and unwarranted measures of alleging his mother's incapacitated, seeking to terminate her rights and appointing himself as her guardian to control her personal, financial, and medical decisions. Whew, man, somebody is hurting that family, and he made a big play to get everything. This is crazy. That's more than a money move, baby. That's a power move. <laughs> who hurt you? Tell us. Who did it to you? Let us know. But I do have to say this, and I, I, I hate that I have to say this. I cannot stand hearing about family drama. I hate being in my own family drama. But um, there's something quite exciting about rich people family mm-hmm. drama. It seems like when they're fighting, they're not fighting about you know who gonna get the house. They fighting over estates, baby, and land and power. And some big money. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I I hope this gets resolved. And uh, I want this to go away real quick. This is why we (laughs) love HBO Succession, right? That's why we watch shows like that. To see that family dynamic play out when there's billions at stake. And unfortunately for the McNair family, it's playing out here in the city of Houston right before the biggest playoff game in a long, long time.
All right, let's talk about some overlooked stories. Aunt Shell, start us off. So listen, you know, I am, uh, this overlooked story is not just this one in particular story. It's been a couple of stories like this that have uh, really has been like, mentioned and then it disappears and so we really need to shed some light on it there is a former youth softball coach arrested for allegedly child grooming right here in harris county now uh 33 year old gerard frank kendall is charged with child grooming which is a felony in the third degree what is happening is frank was employed by an independent software organization he coached the youth girls now the victim in this case is reported to be one of the players under his guidance according to court documents the investigation which began July 5th of 2023, following a complaint from the minor's father about inappropriate messages. Now, text messages revealed explicit content and concealment efforts. The affidavit includes forensic analysis and administrative subpoena to identify Frank and statements from a former girlfriend and the minor. Ladies and gentlemen, there has been a huge epidemic of these Mm. young men who are, and when I say young men, I'm meaning teachers, coaches who are in their early 30s, late, late 20s, early 30s. They are very, very handsome and they are starting to groom our young girls and boys, right? They are befriending them. They are conversing with them and then they are sexualizing them in a way. I brought up this case because this is the latest. This is a breaking news story. Uh, This just got reported on the 10th of January, but this has been going on since July 5th. But this is one of many that I have seen. And as parents, we need to be very aware of what child grooming is because I myself said, what is actually child grooming and how can we notice the sign? Here's how child grooming begins. First, the predator finds a victim, engages the victim's trust, helps the victim, isolates the victim, sexualizes the victim, and then maintains the relationship and the power. Ladies and gentlemen, please be aware of the people who are over your children in an authoritative manner or even in a coach, a favorite teacher, because there was another situation of a young teacher who all the girls in the eighth grade class were hanging out in his classroom. And it was just Mm. a whole bunch of mess because he was grooming all of these young ladies. And they were literally in that room fighting over the attention for this young man. He was just 30 years old and he was doing some inappropriate things with these young ladies. This is the first of many. We need to be fully aware of who's spending time with our children and what are their intentions. Preach. Man, how about that unnamed former girlfriend who reported that suspicious interaction and was the one who confronted him? I mean, if you see something, say something. And, you know, man, this is just a sad story because you think about the victims and what they're going through. And yeah, you have to be mindful. You have to be aware of anybody that's interacting with your children. And that was a great message. Absolutely. And think about the girlfriend, right? You know, somebody could say it hasn't happened yet, but someone could say, or even he could say she was just jealous, right? And she would be made out to look like the crazy girlfriend, the insecure girlfriend, but she saw something and she said something. So kudos to her and high five to that dad who was paying attention to his daughter. And I'm I'm pretty sure that was hard for him to see. Did you know how daddies are behind mm-hmm. their children, behind their girls? Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know whether... 
instances like this are up or down or what the data is, but it certainly seems like that the rise of text messaging and social media has made it easier for predators to interact with young men and women, uh, boys and girls, without their parents knowing. And I think parents have to be aware of those sorts of communication avenues and you know, not be afraid to snoop a little bit. You know, you're your parent, they're the kid, like you should be looking at their text messages, you should be looking at their social media, you should know what they're up to in the same way that you would know what friends are hanging out with. Love it. Yeah, great point there. Let's get to your most overlooked story, Evan. Uh, My most overlooked story is a report from Emily Hamilton at the Mercatus Center looking at Houston housing patterns. For those who don't know, Houston makes it really easy to build townhouses. This happens because in 1998, we shrunk the minimum lot size within the loop and then expanded it to the entire city in 2013. So what did this do to housing in Houston? Apparently, it had zero cost. It didn't drive up land values. And that's contrary to what we've seen happen in other cities. When you upzone, things get more expensive. So what's Houston doing right? Well, apparently we just make it really easy to build homes so that when you upzone, you can put in a whole lot of townhouses really quick. You keep housing affordable without prices going up. And there are urbanists from around the country looking at this report saying, look at Houston. They've done it right. They know how to make it happen. And so I'm just really excited to be able to hold up Houston as a model of housing affordability. It's not as affordable as it used to be, but we're doing a whole lot better than other cities and places like San Francisco, New York, uh, Los Angeles should be looking at our city as a model of how they can make sure that housing remains affordable for families and people entering the workforce for the first time. That is awesome to hear. That is good news Uh for not only the entire city, but for, as you mentioned, those who are trying to buy for the first time or rent or get into a house or a townhome, whatever it may be, this is great news for them too. Mm-hmm. And I know that whenever you upzone, whenever folks see the townhouses come in, they're concerned, does this mean gentrification is happening? Does this fo- mean folks are going to lose out? And what I've seen happen is that in other cities, if you've got one old home and you don't put in townhouses, someone with more money is going to buy up that old home. But in Houston, you can replace one old home with six townhouses. So you've got Uh six people who want to buy a new home going in one direction while the folks in the other old homes get to stay where they are. I like it. I'm going to get to my most overlooked story. And the Harris County Sexual Assault Response Team put out a new report. This was a group that was started in 2021 showing how Harris County and the region fell short in helping victims report sexual assaults. According to the report, there were over 3,300 sexual assaults reported to Harris County law enforcement in 2021. However, the report emphasizes that these numbers are likely a drastic undercount as only 21.5% of survivors reported their assaults to police throughout the U.S. Now, some other numbers from the report that are really important. The report also shows a number of sexual assault kits sent to the Houston Forensic Science Center and the Harris County Institute for Forensic Science in 2022. Throughout the year, over 1,100 kits were sent to the Houston lab while 589 were sent to the Harris County lab by the end of the year, 387 kits still needed to be tested at the Houston lab while 106 were still pending at the Harris County lab. So not enough of those labs are getting tested. Additionally, the report found that Harris County DA's office filed 494 sexual assault charges from 2022 to 2023. And out of those charges, 60 led to a conviction while 53 have been dismissed 
primarily due to insufficient evidence. The rest of the 386 charges are still pending. So I know there's a lot of numbers here, but basically it says that we need to get better at this. We need to do a better job of not only listening to the victims, but also getting these cases done and getting these uh, kits tested so we can find out what happened. I, I just think this is one of those areas where we need to find a better way to ensure that we are collecting the information we need, that people feel like they have the duty and freedom to come forward and talk about what has happened, because only then can we really craft the proper responses to keep people safe. You know, this is a really tough area, uh, and I'm just glad that we're talking about it rather than trying to sweep it under the rug. In a press conference on Wednesday, and this story comes from Houston Public Media, Marlicia Price spoke about her experience with the county's justice system, and this quote is heartbreaking, so I am going to read it, but just know that this is a tough quote to hear. She says, I speak from personal experience when I say walking the justice system in its current state is like walking nude and exposed down a long hallway paved in thorn bushes. Victims are frequently told to move on with your life and to stand still emotionally at the same time while waiting years to be heard by the criminal justice system. And it is hard to even read that quote. It is upsetting. And I'm glad that this task force is put together and is trying to make a change. And we have to do a better job at this. I've linked the entire report, by the way, you can read it and learn a little bit more about what's happening in our show notes. Okay, Evan, Let's end the show. We've got some time here to get our moment of joy. Let's start with you. My moment of joy, and this is a little self-promotional, is that the Myerland Democrats have asked me to host a question and answer session with a series of Democrats running in the primary for three open seats. Senate District 15, replacing now Mayor Whitmire, the candidates for Constable Precinct 5, incumbent Ted Heap is stepping down, and County Tech's assessor collector, Ann Harris-Bennett, is stepping down. It'll be held Monday at 6.30 p.m. at Faith Lutheran Church on Bel Air, right inside the loop, and I'm really looking forward to it. I also really hope it doesn't get canceled because of the ice and potential snow. That is cool. All right. Look at you, Evan. Are you going to ask the tough questions? Uh, I am. I, I feel like sometimes with candidates, the toughest question is, so what are you going to do if you're elected? Because I've been going through candidates' websites and listening to other interviews they've done, and some of them just can't answer that basic question. Mm. I feel like if you can't get at that, step down. Don't get on the stage. Like, you got to be able to get the basics. Man, that is awesome, Evan. Good luck on Monday. And yeah, hopefully it doesn't get canceled. I don't think it will. So those candidates better be ready because Evan is ready to bring it. That's what I'm talking about, Evan. High five, Evan. Well, thank you. And Trishel, let's get to your moment of joy. What do you got? Oh, my goodness. I guess this is the... what. What it say? Self promotion. <laughs> Listen, I have officially been promoted to dun, da, 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 momager. <laughs> My only begotten son, Axum Nova, the five year old genius, has made his first public speaking debut. And darling, it was a grand smash hit. Not that anyone is surprised. It wasn't a matter of if, but of when and since his first public speaking debut Axum Nova has booked three huge gigs 
since then. His first speaking debut was just this past Sunday, and he's already got three gigs for Black History Month. Talk about proud. He will be speaking in the Black History Program at the Rice School, La Escuela Rice. He will be speaking at the Texas Southern University Barbara Jordan Lectures, and he will be performing at the Black History Celebration for the Luke Church in Humble. Talk about proud mom. Wow, look at that. Congratulations. That is so awesome. And he's having fun doing it. He's going to be out there spreading joy with his words. I love hearing that. That's so cool. So fun. Now, uh, I need a check coming in, okay? Because right now, this job don't pay. And you know I like my coin. (laughs) Oh, Hey, in a few years, we're going to hear about Aunt Rochelle and her son uh, beefing it out in the courts, right? Like we do with every prodigy. So, Aunt Rochelle, we're going to be breaking your story down here shortly. <laughs> uh, the devil is alive. I'm pull out the belt and say, you know what, son? I've carried you thus far. You go on your own. We're we going to be like Usher and his mama where he had to fire his mom. But he's because he just wanted his mama. I'll gladly take that seat. I'll say, okay, goodbye. Oh, I love it. I love it. That was a lot of fun. Aunt Rochelle, Evan, thank y'all so much. Stay warm out there and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Be easy. Chat with y'all next time. That was Evan Mintz and Aunt Rochelle Nova. All the stories are linked in our show notes. That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our executive producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carleon Jones, Noah Snyderman, and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis, and the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. Hey, we're off Monday, but we'll be back on Tuesday with a fresh episode, so we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. That's my biggest story. <laughs> I know that's so I'm gonna jump into it. I'm talking about Raheel. I said that to you yesterday. <laughs>